Good morning. It's Iowimala. It is May the 28th, Friday. So we're at the end of May. What a month. Um, and it's drizzly and overcast and chilly here today again. So this is how we are entering summer. I just heard that in Chicago they were planning to open the the, um, the beaches along Lake Michigan this weekend, maybe even today, and they've had to cancel that because of the weather. So that's not that untypical, but I think everybody, now that we're out and about more, it's the perfect situation would be better weather to be out in. So hope you have plenty of indoor things to do for this Memorial Day weekend if you're in this area. Today I wanted to share something with you. It's actually, um, it's one of my favorite blog posts that I, I, I love, I save these. I don't ever, I don't ever, um, get rid of them because it's, uh, this one is by Lynn, Lynn, Lynn J. Kelly. And it's called The Buddha's Advice to Lay People. The Buddha's Advice to Lay People. And I recommend it. And what she does is usually take an, uh, uh, one of the Dhammapada verses from the, the book of short teachings from the Buddha, um, the Dhammapada, and she takes a verse and takes something from it and writes a beautiful blog. And I, uh, I enjoy going back over them. I enjoy just holding on to them so I can read them when maybe I'm studying that Dhammapada verse in another class or run across it when I'm reading something else. And this one, uh, this one is from Dhammapada verse 178. So I wanted to share, they're never very long, they're an easy read, but they're very insightful, and they always are, they're very well written, and they're, um, they're beautiful. And she usually has a few questions at the end, so this is only a little over one page, I'd like to read it to you. And I wanted to explain to you where it's from because its I don't want to take anyone else's writing and, and claim it for my own. But I really do appreciate. It's Lynn J. Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. And Lynn is, it's, and her first name is L-Y-N-N. So this is, like I said, verse 178. And this is a very... Uh, I think, concise but really well-done description of that we think of the four levels of awakening in, uh, in Buddhism. And she's talking about the first one, stream entry. But first, this is a verse from 178 of the Dhammapada. Absolute rule over the earth, going to heaven. Supreme sovereignty over all worlds. The fruit of stream entry surpasses them all. That's from a translation by Gil Fransdale. This is the, now I'm reading her, her work. This is the last verse in the chapter called The World. 
and it lists what people at that time, the time of the Buddha, might have considered the very best the world has to offer, being the ruler of everything everywhere and having only pleasant destinations to look forward to. We might have our own more modest list, a happy family, enough money so we don't have to worry about it, a pleasant environment to live in, good health. It's undeniable that we have goals and desires, wholesome or unwholesome, that to some degree direct our, our, our actions. But have we considered an altogether different sort of goal? Stream entry describes the first of four levels of awakening in the early Buddhist text. It is characterized by three things. One, the falling away, not elimination, but the subsidence of self-view. Two, the end of any belief that rites and rituals can purify us or bring about awakening. Three, the end of skeptical doubt, and that doubt is the end of skeptical doubt, and she makes this comment, that is faith in the Buddha's path. So that's the development of faith when when we've begun, when we've been able to let go of our skeptical doubt in the path. The other three levels of awakening are traditionally associated with shedding deeper and deeper forms of clinging. But this first level is said to plant one firmly on the path to awakening. Once we've glimpsed the possibility of freedom from clinging, nothing else can compete with that as a goal. Awakening is not a matter of understanding concepts, but of experiencing the world in a different way. If someone new to the Buddhist teachings were looking for an entry point, it would most likely be the five precepts or the training rules, harmlessness, generosity, non-harming with sensuality, truthfulness, and sobriety. These trainings help to orient us in the direction of wholesome action and discourage us from creating problems for ourselves and others. This is fine, but unless unless meditation is undergirded, uh, a lot of people begin with meditation. That part was cut off. But, and that's fine, but unless meditation is undergirded by an ethical framework, we may not discover its relevance to the other parts of our life. Once we have established some form of commitment to training, we might then investigate the Buddha's Eightfold Path, wise view, intention, speech, action, livelihood, effort, concentration, and mindfulness. Practicing with these factors individually and in concert with each other can lead us all the way to the final eradication of greed, hatred, and delusion, though probably not quickly. I like her little her little note. <laughs> Meanwhile, we would all do well to ask ourselves what our goals are now. What makes us get up and go in the morning? What gives context to our decisions? 
Where or what are we trying to move toward? So I think I, I really like I really like this. And by reading her um, her blog post, there is a, it's a beautiful gradual training and a beautiful uncovering of the. Uh, really beautiful points in the in the Buddhist teachings. So I will try to put I'll put the uh, put put a link in the in the uh, I think I can do that. Yes, I can put this into into the talk and give you a link to her blog. So, even if we started meditating um, without, before we were, before we became interested in Buddhism, or if that's our primary practice, I think it's uh, it's it's very good then to get the the uh, ethical behavior and the ethical uh, information that are contained in the five precepts to help us have a way to make that meditation uh, do us some good in all parts of our lives. So she's, she's outlining a plan for any of us who are interested in continuing and going further. And that stream entry point is a beautiful thing to feel you have in your life, that you've reached that point, because that really can give you the confidence that you are, you're on the path and you may be on it for many, many other lifetimes, but once you're on it, you're usually, you know, you, you're, you're in good, you're in a good place. So, why don't we spend the rest of our time sitting together? And as we start, I just want to read the verse that she uh, started with to make these points about stream entry. Absolute rule over the earth, going to heaven, supreme sovereignty over all worlds, the fruit of stream entry surpasses them all. So, and I'll read the three. The falling away, not eliminating, not elimination, but subsidence of self-view, the end of any belief that rites and rituals can purify us or bring about awakening, and the end of skeptical doubt in the Buddha's path. That's that development of faith. So that surpasses any other, um, any other dreams we have in this world, any other goals or dreams. So the best one is just getting our feet on the path. So my nose is tickly today, sorry. So sit or stand or be on your back and just allow your body to breathe for you. Feel your body recognizing the posture you're moving into and knowing knowing that 
your body is going to settle into this practice. It may just be for a few minutes, or you may be able to sit much longer. But the more you practice, the more you see that resistance to taking the time, to sitting, to putting the meditation into your daily life, the less resistance there will be. You won't feel your body needing to bolt and go do something else. It will begin to be so inviting to sit, to find that tranquility in your life, that that calm silence, Just stay with your breath. Let go of everything, all the thoughts in your head. Don't try to push them down or repress them, but instead look at them rising and falling, rising and passing away. Our thoughts are so impermanent. Feel awake and yet relaxed and calm.
Let's practice with compassion. And that compassion is that sincere caring about the welfare of yourself or others. Being able to see what you need to help someone with suffering. to help yourself with your own suffering. Feel compassion towards yourself. For most of us, we often have issues or problems in our life that are not fixable, or we may have situations that we have very little control over. They can be uh, with someone we love. It can be our inability to, uh, to end our own suffering or pain or difficulties. Sometimes just listening to the news and things happening in the world can cause us to feel compassion for the world and uh, so much sadness for ourselves that we need that compassion for ourselves as well as other beings in the world and as well for the world itself. So begin with yourself the same way we do metta. Have compassion for yourself. That might take the form of really seeing what you need to help end that suffering, that constant feeling of maybe sadness or inability to uh, take care of certain situations in your life. But that compassion we feel for ourselves is like someone putting their arms around your shoulder and just saying, how can I help? What can I do to help you? What do you need? Begin with yourself and ask yourself, how can I help you? What do you need? How can I be of service to you? Sometimes it may be just enough to recognize that we all need compassion. We all need to have that relationship with ourselves that we recognize when our heart is troubled, 
just recognizing it can lift, lift up our spirits. And then just gradually think of compassion towards your loved ones. Just let these thoughts and feelings of compassion radiate out the same way we do loving kindness. See your loved one through those eyes of compassion. What can I do for you? How can I help? What do you need? Then think of all other beings in the world. The people you don't know in your own community. All the creatures, maybe just in your neighborhood, they're creatures that need, that need something, that are suffering. Just feel compassion for all these beings, human beings and non-human beings. Open your heart to include them in your heart. Sometimes we can discover things that we can do to help. There may be ways we can help, even if it may seem small. And there are other times when we just need to hold them, to hold all of the suffering ones in our heart. Be witness. We see a lot of suffering in the world because we have access to it through the media, through all the ways that we pick up information. And even if we're avoiding the media, we may be getting that information from people we talk to that can create a feeling of sadness and loss within us. So that need for compassion is great for all of us and for all of those beings suffering. And come back to your breath and just stay with your breath for a few minutes.
May everything we do and think and say be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all beings everywhere. Thank you. Thanks for being with me today. And remember that uh, compassion doesn't always mean that there's even something we can do for the other, even for ourselves. But we can bear witness. We can continue to look and see if there's anything we can do that would help make a difference for a friend or for a cause or for a situation. And uh, always live always live with a feeling of hope. So have a beautiful, even if it's cloudy and rainy, have a beautiful uh, weekend, and I'll see you Sunday morning. Bye-bye. <laughs>